Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody, and welcome. Mike and Mark with you. And Mark, one of your coworkers, cool enough to join us on the podcast today. Yeah, Kevin Burkhart, known as KB. Uh, this guy is an absolute pro, Mike. And uh, everyone around him is always better when they're working with him. But really diving into how he got these opportunities is going to be something that's spectacular. I can't wait. Yeah, we're thrilled that he's with us. Kev, hey, thanks for the time. You know, to us, it always looks like you're having a blast on the air. And for you, it was a crazy route to the top as well. But was there a particular moment where you felt like you truly arrived in the broadcast business? Yeah, you know, Mike, it's, it's probably... Um it's probably tiered in some way, to be honest, because uh, there's been a lot of steps. I mean, for me, the first, for me, the first time was radio uh, when I felt that way. You know, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, in the shadow of New York City, and WFAN. Um, WFAN is really, you know, the reason why sports radio is what it is today. It was the number one station. Uh, it may still be. It probably, I don't know the ratings, but you know, it was. It, it was the first you know, Mondo sports station in the country. And it was, you know, gospel in, in New York. So I grew up, I listened to that nonstop, you know, as a kid. I mean, that was, it was on, you know, Met games in the summer, Steve Summers overnight, you know, shows, listen to that going to bed. And, 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 you know, when I was, you know, growing up, Mike and the Mad Dog, that was the, that was the show. That was the show. So when I got into WFAN and, and was able to work there, that was, a huge deal to me, uh, just sentimentally, honestly. And like, wow, I get to, you know, go into WFAN. And it was this, you know, this amazing history of all these great people that had worked there and still did work there. And then the irony is it was in the historical building, Kaufman Astoria Studios uh, in Astoria, Queens, which so many things filmed there, Sesame Street film. I think I want to say part of the uh, parts of the Wizard of Oz was filmed. I don't, you know, it's it's a pretty cool building. And then you go, and our uh, WFAN was in the basement. It was a little shit office in the basement of this historical building. But you know, the first time I was there, and the first time I did a, a sports update with um, Mike and the Mad Dog, you know, at five o'clock drive time in the afternoon, and then I got done, and and Chris Roos was like, "Hey, this guy's pretty good," you know. And he said something like that on the air. And I was like, wow, that is pretty cool. Like I felt butterflies and that felt like, that felt like I made it. Um, so that was, that was probably the real, the real one for me. You know, it, it's interesting to us too, because here you are with this fantastic national resume now, but in your mind, perspective on arrival is completely different than a lot of folks out there listening might expect. And when you get to the situation you're in at FAN, what people may not realize is you had to give up a lucrative career in automobile sales <laughs> to, t- to take that gig. It wasn't an easy decision for you, was it? You know, it's funny is that, um, it, it, you know, it's a great story because it, 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 it is, it's fun to talk about. I like talking about people, you know, when they approach me about it because you know, it's been written about and talked about, they, they think like I'm opposed. To, I like talking about it that I sold cars because I think it made me a big part of who I am today. You know, I, I basically couldn't get anywhere and, and quit what I was doing. I was working at a small radio station and uh, for years and doing like little side jobs, but just could not get a call back on anything. And, um, so I just got fed up and, and quit and put my finger on an ad in the Sunday paper and it was a car dealership. And I went in and said, Hey, I'm, you know, here for the uh, ad. And, 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 you know, the general manager's like, okay, have you ever sold cars before? No. All right, well get on the floor and go do it. I'm like, 
great. No, literally no idea what I was doing or, you know, it hit me like, what if people come in and ask questions about that car? I have no idea. So it's like, all of a sudden I'm at my desk and studying the, uh, the handbook for the Chevy Tahoe. Like that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. And, um, you know, the, the lesson that I took from that, well, it was a lot of lessons really. It, a, it made me hungry to get back and do what I really wanted to do. But the, the main lesson was, is that, you know, um, a couple things. I made a couple really good friends there. And, and one of the advice, uh, bits of advice I got was there and, and it applies to everything. It's like, hey, if you don't go and ask these people for what you want and ask them for the price that you need them to pay, you're never going to get it. And, you know, I'm more of a kind of like laid back, you know, I'm a Jersey guy. So you got to get my temper up there. When it gets up there, I will lose my mind and explode, but it rarely happens. And so I'm more like a passive, like, okay, just whatever you want to do that. That works for me. Cool. And so that little thing, like you have to ask, otherwise you're not going to get, it just never hit me in my life. I just never was that guy. So obviously if you want someone to pay you, you know, uh, 320 a month for Chevy Malibu, you got to ask them to pay it. Um, they're not just going to lay it down. And that became, you know, kind of my rallying cry. It was kind of like, okay, well, um, you know, when I got into WFAN, the program director, Eric Spitz, I had worked with him. I, I, I had done some part-time stuff at, at CBS radio in New York and um, not a lot. And he was there and he was at WFAN originally and then went back to WFAN. So I just called him one day and I was on the car a lot. I said, hey, um, I think I should be working for your station. I'm good enough. So I'm just curious if you have anything, you know, open. He's like, yeah, come in Friday and audition. I'm like, like really come in or, you know, like, so I just asked him and he said, come in. And I was like blown away. I was like, yeah, this, this kind of asking for stuff kind of works. So, you know, it was just one of those things like the worst thing you can hear is no. Right. And I took that lesson and I've run with it and it's gotten me, you know, a lot of places that I don't think I would have been before. Kevin, we always talk about uh, Major League Beginnings. That's the reason why the name of the show, you get that opportunity because of that persistence, because of that aggressiveness with the Mets. Almost a dream job, yeah. I, I am sure. What was that like on the beginning when you got that job and you have opening day with the Mets, and how did that make you feel? Well, it was, you know, my whole family, uh, we were Mets fans growing up. So uh, my mom, my dad, you know, my brother and I, and, you know, you know summer we had uh, games on the radio in the backyard, you know, like um, that's, that was our childhood. So, you know, when that came about, it, it was, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, the, the, the positive thing is that I, you know, I knew the team. I knew that I knew I was walking in a situation where I knew the team and I knew the history of the team. Um, and so, you know, the comforting level of, even though it was my first television, real television job, um, it was a comfort knowing how much I knew about the team and about their history and about their fans. Like I knew I, I was one of them. So I knew what it was like and what they were thinking and what they wanted to hear and didn't want to hear and, and that type of thing. So it was a no nonsense fan group who been through a lot stuff right and so go in there and I'm just excited I'm nervous but I'm excited and I just remember this my first spring training broadcast uh with them um that was I had known Gary Cohen their play-by-play -play guy for a little you know a little bit just from being around um obviously admired him and then Ron Darling and Keith who I think are the best and after the spring training game I was downstairs you know I'm just doing interviews from the dugout basic spring training stuff and he come, Keith comes down and, and Keith Hernandez, who is the greatest and funniest dude, you know, 
make no mistake, the game is over. And before the last out, his car is started and on the expressway home. <laughs> so, and he came down and sought me out and shook my hand and said, Hey, you're going to be really good. Like, I'm really excited to work for you. And I was like, Holy shit, man. That's really cool. Like, you know, guy, A, I grew up rooting for him as a player, uh, you know, number one. And then, you know, I loved him as a broadcaster before I got to work with him. And then for him to do that, it meant a lot. Um, so it was, that kind of just settled me in. Um, and I just felt like it was, it was, it was natural. I felt like it was home, but it was, that was probably the moment for me before actually opening day that I felt like, man, this is like real. This is actually happening. You know, you, you do it from 2007 to 2014. And as you point out, you, you grow up in that area and we know how hardcore the Northeast is. You're a Yankees guy, you're a Mets guy. And on top of this, you're a baseball guy. Was it hard to walk away from that opportunity? Um, it was um, no. The answer is no. It was not um, for a lot of reasons. And, you know, there are a lot of things that, of course, were hard to leave. Like, obviously, you know, I loved the actual job. I loved, you know, my entire crew was awesome. I loved the fans. I mean, so, but, you know, quite honestly, it was two things that made it easy. A, I was fortunate enough to have a great job at Fox um, there for me that I was, I was walking into. So it wasn't like, you know, I was walking into the abyss. I had something next. You know, if I, if I had uh, left or gotten fired or whatever and didn't have anything else, then it might have been harder. And, and then the other thing is, um, quite honestly, I had no desire to do 160 baseball games anymore. I just didn't. Um, I did it for eight years. I missed a lot of stuff that my son did. He was born when I got the job, and I, I didn't want to do it anymore. So um, I was just burnt out from the schedule perspective of doing it. And if, if the Fox thing did not come along, I would not have been back. When you look at it, Kevin, and uh, getting a national gig, it's one of those uh, feathers in the cap and all of the hard work that you put into it. Um, what was that feeling like? Take us back to that opportunity and you realizing, you know what, I put a lot of work into this, but I know I'm prepared because I think that's one of your traits that is, is amazing. Well, thanks, Sween. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, the thing, the beauty about Fox is that you think that, okay, you're going to like the, the quote next level, like national, you know, network, all that stuff. And you think all this pressure is going to be along with it. And of course it is. I mean, you know, you mess up and, you know, 30 million people happen to see it. But the beauty of, of Fox is that they're so laid back. And, in you know, I thought like you'd be under micromanagement. It's not that at all. It's just complete encouragement and they let you do your job. They hired you because they think you're good. And so you get, you get encouragement and guidance. And so the, the pressure was, you know, I thought way less than going into when I had the Mets job, um, which I didn't really, uh, I didn't know until I you know, got there. You know, I'd done some freelance stuff for Fox. I'd done some baseball games. And then I was doing the NFL for two years while I was still working for the Mets. So, you know, that was part of it. I was familiar with the people and, and, you know, I wasn't like I was going in blind, didn't know anybody. But, you know, when you're there and, you know, you, you get guidance, you get your producers, directors, and, and your boss is kind of telling you this and that, it, it's always been encouraging. And like, there's never been like a micromanaging thing or like, hey, in uh, the 31 minute mark of the show last night, I noticed that you flubbed a word. It's like, it's not that. It's just like, hey, we hired you because you're good. Now go be good and like, tell us what you need to be good. So. um it's always felt pretty at ease. I mean, the only time, I think the only time, no, look, you, you guys know this, right? There's a difference between like, um, 
you know, nervous, good butterflies and anxiety, right? Like nervous, good butterflies opening day every year, you know, for me, uh, um, it's, you know, big events. Like I love being there and it's a good nervous. It's like an excitement nervous. I think the only time I was truly, you know, really, you know, nervous was my first NFL game for Fox. It was 2013. It was cool. They put me in New York. So it's kind of in my home base and I did a Jets Tampa Bay game and I had never done a television game uh, for the for football ever. I mean, I did I did them in college. That's it. So um, it had been a while. You know, I had plenty of football experience doing radio, but I, I had never done a TV game ever. And so you know, I'm doing it, and I'm doing it in front of you know my supposed you know home fans, and um, you know so to speak in the New York market who kind of knew me from the Mets. And uh, I just remember when we went on, it just like you know, is this is this really real? Like, this is like, it's, I've, oh, you know, I, I grew up with Summerall and Madden, like always wanted to be the NFL on Fox and, and like that's, and I just remember I was so thankful to have uh, Pete Machesca, our producer, who still is my producer because, you know, he's a fellow Jersey guy and we've always gotten along great. And he was just like, all right, kid, just remember, give the important things, the score, the whatever, and I'll take you through it. You know what I mean? And, and sure enough, um, you know, he took me through it and I got through the first one and I didn't fuck it up and I'm still, uh, you know, loving life. So I've, I've been very lucky. The beauty of uh, people behind the scenes, which I think a lot of listeners don't understand, but you can appreciate. And I think uh, being around you, KB, with the Major League Baseball whip around, I've seen the work ethic, but I've also seen your ability to connect with the crew, with everyone involved. And you just mentioned Pete Machesca, who is an Emmy winning producer that uh, is fabulous at his job when you're in this business and you understand that speak to the type of guy that Pete is and having that guy in your corner and how important it is doing your job. Well, you know, Sweeney, it's a, and again, I appreciate the kind words, you know, it's a, I think what you don't know is when you don't do TV is there's such a give and take. And again, I was a radio guy. I mean, I did freelance TV here and there, guest spots, maybe a guest hosting thing. But I, I honestly didn't know it that much. Um, um, you know, I had it last in college. And so there's just such a give and take and a trust that has to happen between producer and, you know, announcer because um, they are trusting that you're going to take them to the right spot. And then also when I need, you know, something or whatever, you know, I'm trusting the same thing from them. It's like it, it's you need each other to have a good broadcast. And, and it's a constant flow of ideas of like, Hey, you know, we're talking to each other the whole game. Hey, um, P what do you think about doing this when we get a chance? Or what do you think about, you know, next time out or doing this? Or he's like, Hey, I want to get this here. You cool with that? Yeah, let's do it. Um, it's a constant conversation or it's like, um, so we're, we're just kind of, we're, we're kind of hand in hand going down this path, trying to put the best possible broadcast on the air but, you know, the thing is, as, as you guys know, you know, Mike and Sween Dog, when, you know, when you're on the air, man, it, it, there's, no, there's no edit button. There's no, like, you're just reacting. And you're, you're doing what the best you can do, uh, you know, for three hours, um, which is not easy, right? I mean, it's like you're going to make mistakes. Like, it's just you're talking for three hours. Things are going to come out or maybe something that you wanted back or differently. So he is looking at the game in a different perspective. And... He always has a he always has great ideas and always has like um, just the right mindset. You know, tougher tougher things like you know. Um, let's see. Let's take uh, let's take a few years ago when 
when the Cowboys had Greg Hardy, right? He had all those domestic violence counts against him and some awful stories, um, you know, against Greg Hardy. Well, how do you handle that in a game? Well, most people who, you know, write articles about it think that we could just stop the game for five minutes and have a talk show about why Greg Hardy shouldn't be on the Cowboys. We can't. You know, we have a player, too, to talk about it if if it gets to that point and if we even want to talk about it. You know, and, and um, quite honestly, I don't think most people ever want to hear it. They're watching games to be taken away. So those, like, those items are tough. I mean, it was an awful situation. So, you know, to have somebody to bounce ideas off of how to handle that, and we ended up talking about that during the game, and we weaved it into a couple plays, and I think we handled it pretty well. Um, but those are tough calls where you need somebody who's looking at it and hearing it from a different perspective to kind of help give his thoughts about, you know, what's good, what's bad, and what works. It's, um, I, you have to have a good relationship with those people uh, behind the scenes. You know, they're – they have your back. So it, it's a, you know, you better be good to them. That's all I can you, say. You know, Kev, yeah, I think we all have this experience that you get to a certain level, uh, probably in any profession where honest feedback's really hard to come by. Everybody tells you you've done a great job and you become, yeah. it's kind of been almost like an insular business, but we can all count on family and friends in your case, your Jersey guys and gals to, to keep you grounded. What's your family's reaction to seeing their little Kevin the snot-nosed kid with the Frank Thomas poster in his bedroom, all of a sudden, front and center, all-star game, World Series, you know, NFL uh, playoffs. What do they think of looking at Kevin Burkhardt now? You know, I, I, I've never asked them. I, 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 I just think that, um, you know, I mean, I know they're proud, you know, and that, that's been conveyed. But I – I think, you know, when I'm, when I'm home or, you know, around my family, I'd, I'd like to think I'm just me. I'd like to think I'm just the same. I, I really don't think I'm any different. Um, I, you know, it's cool. Like, I like, my mom always tells me when she goes around town, it's like, hey, you know, uh, you know, John from so-and-so from the deli says he saw you doing this. He said to say hello, you know, and like, you know, people that I knew when I was five years old and like, you know, they live in the same town that they've lived in forever and where I grew up. And so, she gets a kick out of that. And I think that's pretty cool. Like, you know, there's like that, that whole, that whole thing, like, Hey, I saw, you know, like I saw Kev on TV the other day. And, um, so I, I think it's just, I think they're just proud, you know, and, 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 you know, I'd like to think that we have the same relationship, if not better than we've always had. So, um, you know, and you guys know how it is, right? I mean, and there, there is, there always is like that, um, you know, Mike, if you're, if you're, if you're going to out with friends, right. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a spot. I'm sure you have where, okay. You maybe, you, maybe you're out with friends who, you know, are fr you're friendly with, but not super good. So then it's like, okay, do they talk to you about the Padres? Do they not talk to you about the Padres? It's like that fine line. I don't care, man. Like I, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that I'm, you know, I'm the same person uh, on and off the field, so to speak. So, but I know my mom, you know, when I took, um, you know, my mom and dad have been to, you know, City Field, obviously, when I was there. And uh, they came to a Giants game that I did once for, you know, the NFL and Fox and, and you know, s saw the TV truck and all that stuff they had never seen or had any idea of before. And, and you know, they were just, like, kind of in awe about the whole deal. It was, it was a pretty neat moment for me um, because they always – totally stuck by me it's like sure you want to be a broadcaster go ahead it was never like oh you're crazy it was like sure what you know what do you want to do like what can you do how can we help um so that makes like i i mean i would owe a huge debt of gratitude for them because they always were like yeah you should you should go for it you know i don't know that every parent says that to a kid wanting to do that 
I can tell you, my, my mother uh, passed away in 2012, but I was with CBS uh, before you got there, I think 2000 to 2007. And she knew I, I'd been in news almost 20 years. And she, from the moment I started, was constantly on me about how long are you going to keep up this charade? How long till you go into sports? And I was like, wow, this is a, this is an actual gig. This is paying my mortgage. You know, I know you don't think it's for real, but I, I don't, I don't have a skill set. So I know how families can be in that dynamic. You're so versatile, Kevin. Um, and we all know what a great guy you are as you, you and Mark point. So are you, man. <laughs> about that, but I'm a bad dresser and give myself that much credit. You have a sport that you prefer calling. Is there, is there one that just grabs you more than another? Yeah, I mean, this question I get asked all the time, and this answer doesn't really change. But, you know, listen, I, I do take a lot of pride in being versatile, Mike. I, I, really, I really like doing multiple things and doing, you know, studio here and play-by-play -play here and interviews here. I enjoy that. It, it makes it different. And I love multiple sports. Like, I grew up in a football and a baseball house, right? It was the Mets during the summer. It was the NFL with Summerall and Madden. Um, you know, in the fall. But if I'm picking one thing, I'm, I'm doing an NFL game on Sunday. It's just, to me, there's as, as much as I, you know, and I hope people are like, well, what about baseball? I love baseball. But if I'm picking one event to do, it's a Sunday NFL game. There's just, for me, there's nothing like it. The adrenaline, all the work that leads up to the one game. Um, it's, it's a TV event. And of course, the fact that there's 16 of them, Oh, I guess 17 weeks, but you know, it, it, that is a little different, right? Each game is bigger, but, um, I, I just can't, um, you know, I can't replace that adrenaline I get on Sunday morning when I wake up in the hotel, knowing that there's going to be 70,000 screaming people and that type of thing. I, don't, I, I love it. Not the same juice as working with Sweens on the ground. <laughs> Well, we have an uh, equal amount of crowd, you know, uh, cheering on Sween as he gets to the set. So it's, it's I, very, I have to fend him off, don't it's, I? It's, it's very similar. <laughs> you know, we, we hired extra security when Sweeney does come up uh, because those days are they're a challenge. I, have, I usually have to park like blocks away. It's tough. <laughs> hey, Kev, which, is, which sport or, or which medium, I should say, do you enjoy more, radio or television? You know, I never used to think I would say this, but it's it's TV now um, because I like the teamwork. You know, I, I, I like what goes into it. I, I really enjoy that. And, um, you know, it used to be, you know, I'm a radio guy, right? That's how I grew up. And I know a lot of radio guys or gals, you know, that they like radio because it's all on you. And you're essentially, I mean, you have an engineer, but, you know, for the most part, it's it's you. You're painting the picture. People can't see it. You're relied upon a lot more. And I get that. But for television, um, you know, I just, I like the teamwork. I like the camaraderie. I like that there's a hundred people working together to make this thing work and that, you know, everybody brings something to the table. You know, you could have a drive in a football game where hopefully I have a great call and my analyst has a great point and telestrates something. And our graphics guy puts up this awesome note that makes total sense at the time. And our director has this great shot and it, it's all together on one thing. Like I love that. I, I think that's fascinating. And I love being a part of that. I love feeling like when you're done, like as a team, you did a good job. So I, I pick TV. Kevin, a lot of people talk about uh, you being a point guard in your job, uh, facilitator. And it's, it's really, uh, an understanding. You've worked with John Lynch, who now is the 49ers uh, um, GM, GM and, and has done a fabulous job with them. But also, you had a connection with him on the broadcast. And then now you have Charles Davis. My question to you is, 
what are those challenges when you are working with someone for the first time? I, I know you need to set them up, but are there things that you think of uh, getting involved with that, that that are important to you as that facilitator? I think the biggest thing is that, you know, and, you know, I think the biggest thing, you, you try to put them in the spots to succeed. And it's different for everything. So you mentioned John Lynch. I mean, John's one of my closest friends. And when we started together, I was like, you know, John had been doing this for longer than I have. He had been in TV. And I said, hey, what, you know, is there anything you don't like? You know, I mean, I, I have my style, obviously, and I can't totally alter my style. But, you know, is there anything you don't like? He said, the only thing I don't like is don't ask me questions. Like, for example, what are they going to run on third down? Like, what you like? To me, those are, you know, no win questions. He's like, I'd rather, he's like, cause, and then if I have something I'd, I'd want to say on third down, if he asked me that, I'm kind of painting it into a corner. He's like, other than that, like, do however you want to do it and we'll roll. And I appreciated that because it's like, okay, he doesn't want to do this. And, and I'm not really a much of a question asker when I do games. But it was like, okay, now I know his, what he, you know, stay away from that and, and cool. When we do the studio stuff, Sween, you know, and you guys can speak to this too. I mean, you guys have been working together for years now and you're like, you know, I mean, you're perfect on the air, but before you have that chemistry, it's always about, you know, I'm always about trying to put somebody in the spot to, to win, you know? Uh, and so it's, it's, you know, maybe that's initially when someone starts out, I'm not going down a road where I'm not sure if they can handle it yet or asking the question where I don't know if they know the answer yet. Um, and if they don't, I have the answer or I have a way to transition to the next thing. So until I get to know someone more and get to know, you know, how much prep have they done? How, um, what are they more comfortable talking about? You know, um, you know, for example, some hitters maybe like talking, hitting a lot more than pitching. Um, I'll use Frank Thomas, Frank Thomas, obviously hall of famer, one of the greatest hitters of all time. He hates talking pitching, but he knows a ton about pitching. So, I can ask him anything I want, and he's got the answer. He, I could ask Frank anything. I mean, he's, he is prepped up and loaded to go on anything, but he prefers to talk about hitting. So if I have a spot where I could go either way, I'm going to go hitting with him or something like that. So it's, it's really just knowing your people. And I just try to – look, they're the, you guys are the stars of the show. Like I, I just try to make them comfortable and in a spot to succeed and that we're just having a conversation and we have good – you know, make chemistry and like we're just shooting the breeze. So – you know, I don't know that it's rocket science. I think it's just kind of reading people and knowing who you have and knowing what their maybe strengths and weaknesses are. I know I have plenty of mine. Um, so that's kind of my mindset. When you look at the follow-up to that, uh, you mentioned um, Frank Thomas. You also have David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez on that studio show for the biggest stage. And it's, it's personalities. It's a, a little bit of egos. How do you balance that? at the biggest stage when you're thinking of, Hey man, uh, this is going to be fun, but I got to put them in their lanes. How do, how has that dynamic worked for you with those three dynamic personalities? You know, I'm really lucky. It, it's easy because they're all easy. Um, you know, yes, there are three dynamic personalities are all different and they all have big personalities, but the beauty is they are, they're so easy to work with and they all really trust me. Um, that's the biggest thing, right? It's like, I don't have to, like, if I say something or if I interrupt or if let's say like, Hey, like, let's say I bust Alex Rodriguez's chops. I mean, we're friends now, but back in, you know, when we started, like you got to test those waters. Like, is he going to let me bust his, bust his chops on the air? Or is he going to be pissed? You know? And so 
to allow me to do that or for me to, to rip Frank Thomas on something who's a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest dudes, they let me do it and like it. And trust me that I'm going to take them places. And if I interrupt with something, like, they are good with me. And I can't have it easier with them. With, you know, as you know, it's not always the case, right? I mean, so I, I'm just fortunate because like, I, I pretty much, you know, I try to give them all the time and, and the room and the necessary tools to, to, to succeed and be stars. And it's really all on them. But like, they totally trust me. They let me run with anything. I could, you know, who am I to bust their chops, but they love it and let me do it. And, and, and so that's the biggest thing. It's them. It's their, they're truly egoless when we get out there and do the show. Earning their trust is huge, but um, we understand too, that's huge wedding coming up. Are you going to get a wedding invite <laughs> is, is my question. Have you I'll gotten you, to that you. level and are you going to be the best man? Maybe. I, I don't think I'm best man. I, I think, uh, you know, I think if anything, Bardia Shireas is, is, is worked up to the best man. Bardia is, is our do everything guy at Fox. He's, the He's amazing. Um, but I mean, it would be fun. Look, I have no idea. It would be fun. I know one thing, my wife, Rachel keeps saying, Hey, you think we're gonna go to the wedding? I, I, honey, I have no idea. I'm just <laughs> at this point, I'm just trying to hope there's baseball being played in a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? So sweet. I will let you know if the, uh, I will, I will, tell you when the if the invitation comes i won't be i will totally understand if it does not come so uh we'll see <laughs> if this is an a-rod uh j-lo south beach style wedding you're gonna have like a lavender suit uh maybe a straw hat what's what what is the kb look in an environment like that are you going to be a wallflower or do you have to be prominent front and center well considering they'll probably be like five trillion dollars at the wedding I, i'd probably just you know hang on the wall and, and have a vodka soda and, and you know just watch it all unfold you know i think but but that's the cool thing about alex man he 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 wouldn't let that happen he would he would call me out and call me in front of the crowd doesn't matter who's there like he he's he's good people hey kev you ever i mean just listen to what we're talking about you are as grounded a guy as there is in this business and we're talking about you attending celebrity weddings and hurting cats <laughs> Do you ever have a pinch yourself moment where you're thinking, is this really my life? You know, it's funny. It's, it's, um, I've been asked that a lot and I've had a couple of those. I, you know, especially, you know, I had a friend text me who uh, I'm close with from New York. This was a few years ago. I think it was the first, um, the first postseason. It was, it was A-Rod, Big Poppy and uh, Big Hurt on our set. And so he'd sent me a text like, he's like, dude, do you even realize like who you're sitting next to right now? Like he knows me well, like I'm pretty unfazed and you know, not really a starstruck type of guy. So he just hit that. He's like, it's freaking awesome. You know? And, and I, I looked, I saw the text. This was like, you know, before the pregame started, I just looked down the desk and I'm like, this is pretty, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, to think, I mean, the answer is no, I could never, ever, ever in a million years have thought that I would be, you know, sitting at the desk on the same level, you know, with those, I mean, you know, handing out the trophy of the World Series is nuts. It's totally, it's totally crazy. But make no mistake, Mike, and I know you enjoy every moment too. I, I don't take it for granted. I mean, I, I appreciate the hell out of it and I enjoy it. And I think that's the thing. Like, I, I hope that comes through. Like, I, I'm, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have fun doing it my way. And I think that comes through. I hope it comes through because I know it's true. Just like one of your buddies that, that texts you or those times that you have somebody that's going to shoot you a message. Uh, KB, I had one of those moments that I, I never fear how you're going to react in situations. 
But I had a stressful moment, and I'd like to ask your opinion on this. The first time you had to get on the podium after a World Series and deliver that trophy, but also all the dignitaries and the people that you have to remember, the names that you had to remember, what was that moment like when you first had to do that? Because to me, if you mess that up, we know what's going to happen with that. I think it was that that car dealer that messed that, that situation up before. But that moment is stressful. How did you handle that in knowing that you had to remember all these names and awards? Um, the trophy can only go wrong. No one says like, great job. You did, trophy presentation was amazing. No, it's, it can only be like, you messed it up. Like it's, there's, no, there's no good compliment coming from the trophy. So, I mean, I was obviously honored when they told me, I'm trying to think my first time, I think my first time was the Cubs and I did it the NLCS because we were there because it was such a historic thing. And um, yeah, the, the dignitary, you know, it's, it's just a lot because you get on the stage and there's, there's a lot of people there and you know, some of them you may not know, some of them you, you don't, you, you may not know the president of business ops for a team or who this other person, you know, each team tells you who they want to introduce and, you know, it's, it's a lot going on. You can't hear anything. I don't care. You got those things and you can't hear anything. So the producer's trying to talk to you, can't hear it. And so for all intents and purposes, you're on your own, right? And then, you know, baseball wants it done a certain way. Uh, and for television, we want it done a certain way. So it's all these things going through your mind. So I have a card. But I mean, you know, I don't want to sit there and be like, hey, let's, we got this and let's look over here. I, you know, I, I, I study it before I go out there and I'll probably look at it you know, right before we actually go on. And I have it if I totally have a brain fart and can reference it. But, you know, as people are coming onto the stage, I'm, you know, introducing myself and like telling myself, okay, like, you know, but yeah, it's a, it's a nerve wracking type moment because there's a lot going on. You know, everybody is watching and you also know that that's going to be on team videos for infinity. Like, in you know, so the first time I did it was the Cubs and that was, that was so unbelievable. They won the pennant. It wasn't even the World Series, but they won the pennant at Wrigley in 2016. And, you know, so the whole thing, we had done a rehearsal that day, and the whole thing is just, it's so surreal. And you get up there, and Wrigley's just going crazy. And, you know, so I, I remember this. Usually it's very, you know, the timing is very specific. And this time, Pete Machesca, who happened to be the producer for the World Series, is like, you know, so I, I do it, introduce you know, Ricketts and the commissioner and the whole thing. And he's like, Hey, we just go with this. Like, as long as you want to go with it, go with it. Right. He's giving me suggestions in my ear and I'm like, okay, which never happened. So I'm just grabbing guys. Guys are coming up the state. I'm just grabbing them. Hey, come here, come here, come here talking. And like, you know, it's just one of those things. And I got done and I looked around and the whole, you know, Wrigley singing, go Cubs go. And I'm, I'm walking off through center field because I have to get to our set for the post game, which is across the street. And I'm just like, this is the craziest shit I've ever seen. Like the fact that I just did that and like survived it. So it's, it's definitely nerve wracking, Sween. Um, you know, but it, it's, it's, you just have to kind of take your time. I mean, this year, you know, it was a little, the order was a little different this year with the Nationals uh, when they won. Baseball won the order a little bit different than we normally do. And it honestly screwed me up for a second. Like I forgot one of the initial things I was supposed to say because I'm you know, kind of in a routine now. And then I got back to it and no one on earth would know it. But I, I was like, oh, crap. Like, you know, let me, let me rewind here. And, you know, it, it, it was so loud and someone stepped on my, my wire. So I had no audio to the truck. 
So he was trying to tell me, I think, hey, if you could find Juan Soto, because Strasburg was the MVP. Um, you know, it's a mob scene up there. People are stepping on my wires. It, there's too much interference, so there's no, it's no wireless, so you're, you're hooked in. Well, guess what? People are stepping. So I'm like, my head is being pulled back because someone's stepping. And I'm like looking around, and I'm like in no man's land now because I kind of said like, all right, who are we going to get here? And because I know they wanted an interview. And like people's backs are to me. Someone's stepping on my court, so I can't move. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm kind of dead here. What do I do? So I just, um, I'm friendly with Ryan Zimmerman. And, you know, he's an original national. I was like, where's Ryan Zimmerman? And he came up and he bailed me out. And, but like, it turned out to be great. So like, it's one of those, sometimes you just got to figure it out on the fly. But I mean, I was essentially dead in the water for 20 seconds there. Um, it, isn't it true though, that you, you learn more in those moments than you do when things go well. I've always said it, it's like, it's what keeps guys uh, in your position sharp is me- remembering when something goes sideways and having that in the back of your mind that something could go wrong. You prepare for every, what you think is every possibility. And then you have to adjust when things go sideways. But that said, I mean, now you have so much experience under your belt. Who do you go to when you need advice from someone in your chair? It's great to get advice from folks in other facets of broadcasting, but sometimes don't you need that ear uh, from someone who actually does what it is you do? Who's your go-to person? Yeah, I don't, you know, Mike, it's a good question. I, I don't have like a specific go-to person, but I do, uh, to your point, I do like talking to different people and just exchanging stories and ideas. I mean, I, I think that's a good thing. And I think it's just, it just kind of resets things for all of us. Um, and then I have people who, you know, have been, you know, you know, in my past, who've been with me, who have helped me along the way, not necessarily even people that I, I you know, work with now who are behind the camera. Uh, behind the scenes and I'd be like, Hey, what do you think of this? Or can what's your thoughts on this? Or can you watch this? Uh, because there's a totally different eye who I don't work with now and they don't work for my company. And so I'll do that just to kind of get a feel. Cause like you said, they have nothing to lose. I'm not going to not be their friend if I don't like their answer and I don't necessarily have to agree with their answer. So I think that's important, but I don't have like a one specific go-to person. You know what, Kevin, uh, influences in our lives. Um, I always felt that um, when I was with the Angels in my first big league spring training, I got to meet, I got to meet Jimmy Reese, a longtime uh, Angel, mm-hmm. uh, one of these special guys that uh, I, I felt like I needed to meet him because it put a stamp on the passion that I had for the game of baseball. And in your broadcast world, I think there's a lot of people like that. and. In being around you and knowing that uh, there are guys that are influences, one in particular really comes to mind, and it's longtime director, the late Bill Webb, who is mm. in, in the uh, Broadcast Hall of Fame, which yeah. I think is um, amazing. Speak to uh, uh, what uh, he Webby meant meant to you. Well, I, yeah, Sween, I appreciate you bringing it up. I mean, he's he's the greatest director ever uh, in television. Uh, baseball history. It's simple. And he's a great friend. He was a great friend and a great guy. I mean, he, you know, he did the World Series forever for Fox, but I got to know him because he did the Mets too on SNY. And he was just, he, you know, the most important thing, he was just a great compadre, man. I mean, he he would he would tell you how it is and, you know, maybe he would, uh, you know, yell at you during the broadcast, but you'd be having a vodka soda with him at the hotel bar <laughs> after and laughing your head off, you know. Um, he, 
he was so good at what he did and he was just so fun to be around, but he, he was smart. He had wisdom. He wasn't a guy that would sit there and lecture you. He would just drop a nugget. You know, I remember, you know, we, one particular store at the hotel bar one night and it turned out to be a lot of nights, but that's what, that's what was great. And we were just talking about anything, you know, like a group of us. And he, he turned to me and said, Kevin, he's like, when you interview the guys post game, you're standing on their, uh, let's see. He's like, you're standing on their uh, left side. He's like, stand on the other side and move your body this way. Because then what happens is the camera, we start on a two shot and then we zoom in and I can't zoom in when you're there. You got to go on the other side and you got to do this. Just, just turn their shoulders for me a little bit. And that was it. And I'm like, I would have never thought of that in a million years. He would tell me like when you're here, when, when you're on camera, like just little small subtleties that I, I had no idea, like zero idea. And he would just drop like those hints, like all over the place, like nothing crazy. Just be like, Hey, grab my shoulder. Hey, KB, Kevy, when you're doing this, just, uh, try and do this next time. Okay. Um, but then he had this way, you know, opening day. You asked earlier about opening day. Here it is. Opening day with the Mets, the actual regular season opening day. The Mets were in St. Louis. Cardinals won the World Series the year before in 06. So my first hit, so to speak, on camera as a, you know, Mets reporter, I was doing something on uh, the World Series ring. So I had Jeff Supon's World Series ring. I think he was hurt or was he, was he gone? Did he go, did he go to Milwaukee. I can't remember. But anyway, I had Jeff Supon's ring. I was doing a story on that first story. So the first time on TV, I'm obviously nervous and like ready to go. And I'm coming back from commercial. So, you know, Greg Picker, our producer, is like, all right, Kev, you know, like, you know, coming coming out and, you know, 10, 9. We get to five. And Webby's like, Kevy, yeah, Webby, your fly's open. So of course I look. I'm nervous as it is. I go and I'm like, holy shit, man. Like my fly's gonna be open on national TV. So I look. And it's like two, one. He's like, ah, oh, I made you look, asshole. <laughs> and what it did, the brilliance of it is that what it did is it made me laugh and it made me take a breath. And when we came back, I was like, I was relaxed, you know, and it, it like I, I had a, a good debut, so to speak. So like it, it took all the nerves away because he made me laugh and I had no time to think about it because literally by the time, I'd, by the time he gave me that jab, we came back. That was the beauty of him. Like he had all that in one, um, obviously learned from him a ton, but just, yeah, he was just one of a kind, man. Well, Kevin Burkhart, you are as uh, versatile a broadcaster as we are lucky to get a chance to hear in any number of different venues and, and a, a gentleman and a scholar to boot, man. We really appreciate your time. You know, uh, you know, you know, guys, I respect and love, love you guys. And uh, Mike, I, I, I have to say just with that line, gentlemen of scholar, my late grandfather used to say that all the time as a kid. I have not heard that saying since him. Uh, that was pretty cool. So uh, thank you, my friend. No, you bet. But it's, it's really a, a treat for us to get a chance to spend a little time with you. We know you're very busy. We look forward to catching you uh, the NFL as well as Major League Baseball and wherever else uh, life takes you. Thanks so much for checking out Major League Beginnings. If you had as much fun as we did, we hope you'll go ahead and hit the subscribe button where you usually download your podcast from. It could be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you like. We're just glad to have you aboard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.